hello everybody and welcome to the ninth episode of the Kent Non-League Football Podcast with me, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard. Um, what an absolutely crazy week it's been in the, in the world of non-league football in Kent. I, so much has gone on in so many different areas. I, I, we really didn't know where to start. Um, uh, Matt, you had a, a weekend off uh, from going to any games this week, but you must have looked at the scores and thought this is absolutely bizarre, wasn't you? Yeah, I picked up the paper on Sunday and you see, you know, six fives and four all after extra time, goalkeepers scoring and managers losing their jobs and some other sort of two up against ten men between the go and drawing. So, yeah, it was a strange weekend, really, but, um, you know, it's an exciting one as well. So it's funny to talk about. Absolutely, and, and we're also lucky that we've got three special guests for you today. We've got, um, later on we're going to be hearing about Dover's train journey, which if you've not heard that story, that's quite an interesting yarn. Um, Wellin's superb win at Haven, and we'll be joined later on by um, Jermaine Darlington, joint manager of Herne Bay, head of the FA Cup tie that they've got against Margate on Saturday. But we'll start with the other road to Wembley. Um, goals and stories galore in the second and the final qualifying round for the FA Vars. Um, loads of scaffold teams were involved in the weekend and, and there were some on Tuesday night as well um, we're going to start by looking at one of those ties that went to a replay um, on Saturday I went over to see Sheppard United play Tunbridge Wells it was a cracking game of football I thought there was chances at both ends it finished 2-2 after 90 minutes and there was an extra half an hour as well it finished 2-2 after extra time um, so when I went, when I got home from that game, I recorded a little reactionary piece to what I've seen. I must admit, I'm certainly not Anne Frank or Samuel Pepys when it comes to keeping a diary, and it's probably not even as good as Matt's trip to Tranmere. But here we go anyway. Here's, here's some words that I recorded just after I'd been to that game on uh, on Saturday. So it's 25 past six on uh, Saturday night. I've just got in. Um, I spent my afternoon down at uh, Sheppard United. It was um, a really good game of football, actually. I, I missed the first 20 minutes or so. Um, because I was waiting for my sofas to be delivered here. Um, and I got there and then couldn't park. And everything. there was a really good crowd there, 300-odd, which was fantastic to see. It was a good game of football. Um, I, I missed a goal by Luke Gert, former Ramsgate player, who was playing at centre-half and had a really good game, I thought. Actually, I had, I had some debate about who should be uh, Sheppard's man of the match after the game. And I was left in no doubt at all that it should have been Luke Gert. I thought he had a really good game. Um, but obviously, he had given Sheppard United the lead. and But Tunbridge Wells... Weren't really at the races so much in the first half what I saw, but after the break they were superb. I thought I thought they really put themselves about. Um, Jack Harris levelled pretty quickly. Um, obviously they've just re-signed Jack Harris um, after a, a time away at lots of different clubs, and I thought he was superb. He held the ball up really well, looked to get players in, had a few efforts on goal. Really impressive performance from him. Tomaj Wells really put the pressure on after the break. Uh, Jake Beecroft hit the hit the post with a brilliant free kick. Really unlucky not to score. And Wales had a number of chances really in that second half. But then they fell 2-1 behind. Uh, penalty given it wasn't the clearest cut penalty I've ever seen in my life, I must admit. But it was given and very t- coolly tucked away by Dan Bradshaw for Sheppey. 2-1 up. And it looked like the home side might be able to hold out and, and get a, get through, get, get themselves into the next round. But unfortunately, just right near the end, three minutes from time, well, unfortunately for Sheppey, obviously, if you're a Wells fan, unfortunately not for you, um, Stephen Eiter, who was, was a real threat down the left for, for Wells, picked the ball up, burst into the box and fired a shot across the goal and into the far corner to, to make it 2-2. I was standing there thinking, oh, well, that's a shame. And then I remembered, of course, that a lot of these games, they have extra time, so we had 30 more minutes. Um, and Tunbridge Wells dominated the extra 30 minutes. They had, they had a couple of chances again. They were they brought John Pilbeam on, running down the right wing, causing a lot of problems. Harris had a couple of shots. Um, but Sheppey stood firm. They held firm. Um, and that, 
they didn't offer a lot themselves. You know, they, they, they looked a decent side. Sheppy, Luke Harvey, I thought had a good game up front. Bradshaw, I've already mentioned, was, was useful. Gert and his centre-back partner were both really handy as well. Um, two good sides, I thought, at that level. Um, very interesting to watch. And then, you know, ultimately it's, it's finished 2-2. By the time you hear this, you'll know the draw, you'll know the, the outcome of the replay as well. But it was a really good advert for, for that level of football. I thought really good advert for the Vars. Um, Sheppard United, lovely little ground they've got over there. Nice little setup. Um, I thought I heard at one point they said that the attendance was 96, but later on Twitter I saw it was 331, which is a considerable difference. But it was a really you know good atmosphere. Tumbridge Wells brought a few fans. It was nice of the Tumbridge Wells players come over and shake hands with a number of those supporters at the end of the game as well. Um, you know, I've come home, I didn't really speak to anyone because the difficulty would have been, obviously, I'd have loved to have spoken to, to the managers or, or some of the players involved, but ultimately we'd have all been talking about today's game, the replay, and by the time, as I say, by the time this goes out, the replay would have been done and dusted, so it, it felt a bit a bit of a waste of time from that point of view, but I had a really good afternoon out, uh, lovely place to watch football, £7 to get in, and I actually saw a full 90 minutes in the end, even though I missed the start because of the extra time, but... Sheppard United, decent little club. A couple of people that I recognise that I've, that I've crossed, crossed swords with in the past. I just really enjoyed myself. So hopefully the replay was a good game as well for everyone who managed to make that. And uh, I'm really sort of rambling on, but it's not nowhere near as good as Matt's diary of when he went to Tranmere. I've got no goal commentary to chuck in either. I nearly recorded the penalty on my phone, but that's by the by. I was a bit far away and, and, and all that. But... All I just want to say was it was a really nice day of football. I want to mention it now so that I can remember it, so we can refer to it when, when we do the record of the podcast. Really good game. I'm going to go over to Sheppey again without a shadow of a doubt. It's so close to my house, I can be there in a quarter of an hour. Nice place to watch football. Seemed like a nice, nice friendly club. Good bit of atmosphere. Can't really ask for much more than that. Listening back to that, I must admit that um, if someone had said to me the replay would have finished 5-1, um, I'd have put a nice crispy new £10 note, of which I keep getting everywhere I go, um, on Tunbridge Wells. Now, I mean, no disrespect to Sheppy, but um, on the on the day on Saturday, I thought Tunbridge Wells were unlucky. But there you go, Sheppy United went to Tunbridge Wells, got a cracking win. They even ended up with Luke Harvey in goal, uh, the striker. And a, a, an absolutely superb win for Sheppy United. And say, I, I found it's a really nice club. There's been a bit of a love-in on social media between the two. But, Matt, I don't, I don't suppose you know much about Sheppy United, but that's an impressive win for them, 5-1 at Tunbridge Wells. Oh, I was, I was very surprised. I, you know, read the reports at the game that you went to. So, um, uh, yeah, I didn't expect that. But they're having a decent season, aren't they? So, um, 5-1, you know, you mentioned before about... Um, Tunbridge Wells, you know, they like this competition. But I, I see them in the league. They haven't actually won at home, so... Well, they've won one game at home, I should say. But, yeah, but yeah, real shot there. But fair play to Sheppard going there, winning 5-1. Good luck in the next round. How much confidence that will give them. They do score goals, Sheppard. You, you have to say that. They do. And, I mean, the, the, the lad Bradshaw looks handy. And, and, you know, Luke Harvey, he's an experienced striker. He's been around a bit, was at Faversham for a long time. And, he's you know, he's, he's a physical striker. And there were some lads who came and were standing around me and they were saying, oh, he's a big old unit, Harvey. He's, he's, he's really strong, really tough. And that's the sort of player that you need in that division, I think, to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, in that level, we've come up, come up against some difficult defenders. Again, I think there's players out there that probably can do it at a higher level. It's just getting the chance to sort of um, to be seen out there because you know, teams at the higher end of the pyramid of the Kent sides are probably not going to look too much far down on that sort of thing. So um, it's interesting. I'm sure there's decent players out there and, you know, just given the chance, it's probably what they want to be seen. 
Absolutely another game, looking back at Saturday. I mean, what a game that was at Whitstable. Whitstable won 6-5 against Lansing after extra time. It was 3-all at half-time, 4-4 after 90 minutes, and ended 6-5 to Whitstable. Danny Williams and Sean Welford both scored hat-tricks. One of Williams' goals was a penalty. Welford also had a spot kick saved. And at the other end, Dan Easton and Whitstable saved a penalty, although the rebound for that did go in. 11 goals on a Saturday afternoon at the Belmont. I think I read on Whitstable's website, the report said, neither team really deserved to win, which I thought was quite an interesting way of putting it. But if you're going to defend like that and ship that many goals, you can see that point, can't you? Yeah, it's, it's a, again, after extra time, good thing about the bars, of course, it goes into, um, uh, if you, after four, you want the game to continue. And luckily it did for them on that point of view. But yeah, two hat-tricks, uh, missed penalties. Well, fantastic result for... I'm sure the manager um, uh, was probably pulling his hair out at the end of that one, but you know, entertainment-wise, on a nice day last uh, Saturday, I think uh, you know, you know whether they paid to get in at, at uh, Whitstable, it was well worth the money. And again, at least you can say you've seen a six-five as well. Cause all my time watching football, I haven't seen one. No, I don't think I've ever seen a six-five. I'm trying to wrap my brains now, thinking that the biggest that I've seen, I've I've seen some I've seen some belting games. I've certainly seen a four-three on a plastic pitch. That was quite a three-G pitch, as they're now known. That was uh, that was very good. But six-five is certainly out of the ordinary. And another team, plenty of goals. They went out was, was Chatham Town, and it's been a very eventful week for them. And and Matt, you you told me over Twitter on the weekend that Chatham's goalkeeper scored. Yeah, yeah, I'm reading the um, non-league paper on that, checking it up, and, and the goalkeeper scored, and the report seemed to insinuate that he scored after about 85 minutes from, to bring them level, I think, right, at that point of view, then um, they eventually went on to lose. But I was thinking, what the, what, why was the keeper up there on the 85th minute? And it was a, one of those ones, if you can follow it on Twitter, on the chat and thing, but I think the magic of non-league, I think it's their sort of security camera that must be aimed down on the pitch from this sort of thing, so you could actually see it from a, from a distance of the melee around the penalty area. And the goalkeeper scoring, and fair, his celebration was pretty good, so he, he enjoyed it anyway. From that, so yeah, crazy, t- crazy times. But um, yeah, it's been a disappointing week for them, you know, and also another lost another manager in that point of view from Chatham. Yeah, they, they, but they've moved quickly and, and brought in a new manager already. And one of their players, you described it as a terrible program. We were discussing it this morning, but one of their strikers is going to be on the Apprentice, so at least that might get a bit of uh, airtime for Chatham. And you know, they're they're a, they're a small club up there. They they're in the shadow of Gillingham very much, and it is difficult for them and, and any sort of publicity they can get, even if it is going to be their bloke trying to sell some burgers and no doubt failing miserably at it, is, is surely, if it gets their name out there, it's a good thing for them, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think from that point of view, um, yeah, they have had a problem. I think they got to the fourth qualifying round of the um, FA Cup uh, a few years ago, I think, Chatham. That was the last bit of success, but they yo-yo between the leagues and now into the scaffold as well. Yeah, they just need something to, to kickstart them a little bit from that point of view. So, um, Yes, just, uh, well, again, I won't be watching The Apprentice, I have to say, so uh, um, from that point of view, good luck to him, but he's probably been recorded a long time ago, so uh, unless he goes on and win it, he's probably going to be forgotten about uh, before they start talking about Chatham Town. I'm certainly much more a fan of The Apprentice than I am Love Island, where I see Thalassitis is still um, making his money on the back of that. But that's his choice. I've even seen that he might be on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Now, that is really scraping the barrel. but And that's going to keep him further away from Margate. But that's a story for another day, because still looking at the Vars, until there's 15 teams from the Scaffolds still in the draw. Um, it's four from Division One of the Southern Counties East League, which is really good. Um, standout ties: you've got three teams guaranteed to get through because you've got Canterbury City at home to K Sports, Meridian VP against Hollands and Blair, and Sheppey United's reward is a home tie with Fisher. Um, it's a mixed bag for the rest of them. They're playing against teams that we obviously don't know a lot about, so it's pretty hard to predict. 
Um, but only Deal, Witzel and Lordswood got away ties. So the rest of them will be hopeful that they can get through. And it's, it's, it's still a long, long way to go. But Wembley's there. It's a free-for-all at the moment. There's nothing to stop these teams from dreaming about, is there? Well, I think there's 101 ties, I think, in that. They threw it on the FA when I looked at that. So, my goodness knows how many games you have to get through to get through. But again, um, majority of these, apart from... Um, majority of our sides have got that's the competition now they're all out the FA Cup I think they all probably are now so they're looking on and that it's just a competition that runs runs really deep into it but again you're probably coming up against some sides that are a bit unknown as well so from other sort of levels from that so it'll be interesting to see how many of them get through but again we've had a couple of Ashford did well a couple of years ago and a couple of Worlds uh, some of these sides so yeah hopefully some of them go a bit deep but uh, it's a, into the unknown now when you get to the sort of level of that competition it's interesting, and I might try and look into it at some point and find out, you know, when these teams come up against teams that they've never heard of. I think Wits will have got Salt Dean United. Have they got? They haven't got any budget to send a scout down there. So do they find out? Do they just make up, make contacts, or or, or whatever, and see what they can do? But it is an interesting test because they could turn up and find a team that's far too good for that level, as there have been many teams in the past, or they could turn up and and be in for a comfortable afternoon. You just never know, and I guess that's the beauty of the FA bars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, Salton United. I presume that's is that their bright way. It is, yeah. From that point of view, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're probably playing a decent standard, and again. They might not, they, you know, kind of a bit harsh here on Salty, but probably Whistler with a bigger club. But maybe, you know, you've got managers at this level, you know, like to do their homework. They might go and do it off, off their own back on a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening if they haven't got a game to see how these go. And, you know, it's a professional level all the way down to the level three going because people have got personal pride. They don't want to turn up and expect to see. Yes, it was interesting. It was interesting. It was, a, it, it was quite a tight game, to be honest. And uh, we were quite clinical. Um, and to be to be three up away from home with ten minutes to go, we were we were more than happy. And then uh, the game took a turn, turn for turn for a bit of madness for about eleven minutes. And uh, uh, Coyley, the manager, um, tried to block a block a shot in the box and um, not one of the lads over. And it was a penalty. We had no qualms with that. And whilst that was going on, our goalkeeper had the ball in his hands. And uh, as we all turned round, one of their players was on the floor, and he was alleged to have pushed one of them. So. Connor took up the gloves to the right back and uh, went in goal and then craziest thing was he saved the penalty afterwards so it was interesting. <laughs> we we saw the penalty it didn't look the best penalty in the world but you still got to stop it and, and in a situation like that it's difficult for an outfield player isn't it? It is but to be fair but our goalkeeper coach uh, John McRae used to be a Dartford with, with Jason Pryor and um, John had run round behind the goal to tell Connor what way um, Pryor used to take penalties to Dartford and uh, as you can see from the highlights, you know, Connor sort of starts guessing as he, as he makes his run up. So, yeah, look, you know, um, you know, always pop that players should probably score from there. But credit to John and, and Connor for uh, for stopping it going in. Because I think if we if we can see then it's going to be a long 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, it was interesting to say the least. And I guess it was the perfect way for you to bounce back after the massive disappointment in the FA Cup. Yeah, most definitely. It was it was a it wasn't a nice week after getting beat at home to uh, to Haringey. But you know, people do soon forget that we've now lost. We've only lost one in ten in the league. Um, we've won our last three. We've got I think the fourth or fifth best defensive record in the league. We're the highest the club's been in the last three years. So you know, it wasn't a good result against uh, Haringey, and no one no one's trying to hide behind that. It wasn't good enough. But uh, league form. Recently, he's been quite good. You know, run beating in five, as I, and as I say, we've only lost one in ten. So, albeit we've had quite a few in that 
uh, for a new site to be put together and a young manager and obviously myself going in um, as player coach it's um, you know I think we've done alright What's it like when uh, the gaffer's a player manager and he gets sent off? He got a bit of stick afterwards but I think it's easy to get a bit of stick when you've won it you? uh, but that's, that's, that's part of playing I was, a, I was at Welling for a long time with Jamie Day and um, Daisy was the same you know he was he was excellent what he'd done but he got the odd red card and you know he's what it is he's part of the pack he's he's also carrying the carrying the burden of his own performance as well as everybody else's as well as the result you know as well as our league position so it's um I don't I don't sympathise him um, too much but you know I have to a little bit I suppose it's frustrating as well for him that you've got the weekend off this week not only because you know you haven't got a game you can't build on Saturday's win but also it's going to be longer before he's suspended well, yeah, he's not the only one either because he's suspended. I've, I've had five bookings, the goalkeeper suspended and Jebby got sent off against Charlton in the week so we've got four suspended for the next fixture so it's not ideal but on the flip side of it, you know, that extra week we haven't got to go. Look, we'd all, we'd all rather play Saturday. There's no, no two ways about it. We're looking at the positives from it. Bradley Goldberg and Tom Bradbrook and Ian Gow will all be fit for the next league game, which is which is a bonus. And Harry Phipps won't be far off. So by the time we do play again, we should have three or four players back, which will be you know, for a small squad like we've got will be a will be, be a big thing for us. So I mean, well, in the, it, he sounded pretty pleased with that win, um, Jack Parkinson, and and rightly so because. You know, seeing an outfield player in goals always entertaining, but saving a penalty is even better, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I made sure that I you know, on the National League website to see the highlights of that game. And it, it was worth three minutes. If you've got three minutes of your time, go on the National League website and see it because um, Welling score a couple of good goals, to be fair, when they come into the game. Three went up and there's a, a melee in there. The goalkeeper pushes, I think it's Tubbs over. To be fair, Tubbs does go down like Tom Davey. That really throws himself to the ground. The referee straight away, red card. Then it all kicks off from that point of view. And the penalty, maybe it was, you know, Tubbs again with a penalty. It took a long time, but one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. And the goalkeeper, um, who's the goalkeeper again on that? Connor Diamond. Connor Diamond. Diamond. Sorry, yeah. Connor Diamond. It's like crab football. He sort of walks along his line and sort of pushes it away. So, uh, fantastic thing. And the goal he conceded was Sunday League style. He's a body of leg. He doesn't even move for it. He goes in, but... Absolutely fantastic. Welling had numerous chances after that to win the game, but a big resume for, for, for Welling at that point of view, and it keeps up their unbeaten run. And a terrible result against Harringay Borough. You know, you know, it was a disaster for them, admittedly, on that point of view, but it keeps the unbeaten run, and as he says in there, they're highest league place for, for a couple of seasons, so they're on, they're on the right track. Got to find some players now, because the goalkeeper's on loan from Colchester, so he's got a three-match ban, so they've got to find another goalkeeper, Welling. That's their biggest problem, but we haven't got a game this week, so at least they've got time to do that. But yeah, if you can find it, absolutely brilliant, brilliant penalty, straight penalty save, but a terrible penalty save from Ben Tubbs. What's really What's really interesting is that um, when I spoke to Jack and, and I've saved some of Jack's chat for next week is, um, yeah, the goalkeeper suspended, so is Jamie Coyle. So's Jack himself because he's got yellow cards. I think they've got four players suspended, but they are going to have some players back from injury. But well, what a nightmare to be to be without so many players in their next game. And you know it does just show you at this level you're going to have a small squad. You've all got to behave yourselves. And if you're all naughty boys on the same day, then you, you might end up in a bit of strife, mightn't you? Well, yes, it's interesting because I think on the National League this season, it's the five match ban used to go to the end of November, where they've extended it either to 23 games or to until New Year's Eve. So you're, a lot of players will be banned because of the accumulation of bookings. I think Hines uh, uh, from Mason, I don't, know if he's book, I don't know if he's had five bookings, but he's really close to it as well. So yeah, the bookings have changed this season. So you've really got to be careful. And 
you know, in a, in a rough and tumble league like the National South, there is some challenges going in. You can't, and the refereeing maybe not the greatest as well. So you've got to be a little bit careful with that. But you'll see a lot of sides suffering from the five, five the one game ban for the five bookings. Yeah, and as I say, we'll, we'll hear more from, from Jack next week um, in the podcast. Um, elsewhere in the National League South, disappointment for Dartford at, at Western Supermare. We, we said last week it was a tricky place to go, but I think Tony Berman will be really disappointed with their result down there. Yeah, I, I was quite shocked about that because Western Supermare were an up and down side. Dartford hit the top, scoring goals, but you know two goals conceded early on. They never really recovered from that point of view. So that's a a kick up the backside for them, really. I think Darford thought they, you know, they they'd go up again tight in the league there, but yeah, that's disappointing. It brings them back down a level, maybe Darford thought, particularly at home, they've been really strong, um, scoring goals. So yeah, that, that's a bit of a shock there, but it's a tough, it's a long old place to go, and even longer to come back after you got thumped three 0 as well. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, in in the National League, Ebbsfleet got that much needed win, beat Boreham one nil. Penalty. I saw. I was following it on Twitter, and I saw they got a penalty. In that situation, there's only one man they want to step up. And sure enough, Danny Kedwell, so reliable from the spot, steps up, scores the goal. There were some good celebrations from the fans that, we, that I put out on Twitter at the time. We've spoken that, we've said for a few weeks now, every week needs to get a win. And, and now they've got one, they're going to be really confident they can build on that, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a big one. Again, clean sheet, they're two clean sheets in the last two games as well. So um, they're working it out from the back, um, how to do that. That's a big win. I say, I was impressed with them. Uh, Bournemouth when I saw him against they were very organised they brought in Dan Holman who was top scorer a couple of seasons ago when he was in Cheltenham so yeah decent decent result for Epsley there and you think of how tight this division is they're only seven points at the top in 16th place so um, yeah I think they can you know look at things that can change seasons maybe that game penalty the player got squashed McQueen's good at sort of getting his body between the players so um, yeah that could be a turning point for them now with some games that are I think definitely winnable coming up for them yeah, I mean, obviously they're at home to Halifax on Saturday and then go to Solihull on Tuesday. So as you say, winnable games. And, and Maidstone, they were disappointed after Saturday because they were they were held when they Gateshead fought back. And uh, interesting to read this this week as well that um, Skybet have got Jay Saunders as fourth favourite to be the next Gillingham manager after Adrian Pennock left on uh, on Monday following the Jill's terrible start to the season. And obviously he was with Jamie Day, who um, we know from, from Welling and Jack mentioned him a little bit earlier on. Um, pretty tough for, for Jamie Day came in both came in from non-league really Adrian Pennock as well it never really worked out for them at Gillingham and, and I guess that it's back to the drawing board for, for Jamie Day and Adrian Pennock now yeah I, I think I, I can't see Jay Saunders going to, to leave him made today. Um, probably think they can become Kent's number one side over the next couple of seasons but I can't see him going to Gillingham to be, to, to be fair on that Jamie Day yeah he's It'd be interesting to speak to him. If, does he regret taking the uh, Epsley job about three years ago? I think it was two or three years ago, from that point of view, when you know he was riding high with uh, with Welling, his reputation was really high. Sacking after after Welling, then he went to Braintree, of course, and that didn't work out particularly well for him either, did it? So, yeah, I think he maybe have to work his way back. But for being sort of one of the highly rated managers in non-league football, he's going to have to dust himself down and and go from that point of view. And, Maybe the same for Adrian Pennock. Of course, Lemmy Day's legend at Welling United. I'm not saying he should go in at Welling, but um, that's maybe sort of at that level. I think Conference South is probably his level if he can build his reputation up. But it's a shame because he was a fantastic player and he's a top bloke as well and he knows his football. But you know, it's, a, it's a tough game and it, I think the last few jobs for him have been real sticklers. All that success he had at Welling and it's, you know, counts for nothing now, really. When you think about his reputation 
yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Certainly, I can't see Jay Saunders going to going to Gillingham. I mean, why would he want to leave? He's got such a cushy number. Well, not a cushy number, but he's he's obviously so well linked with Maidstone. He's got such a connection with the club, the fans. He's helped build that club up all through everything at the Gallagher Stadium, and and it's it's a great job for him. And he's doing a great job at Maidstone as well. And I think with you know with the hierarchy there, it'd be mad to walk out on them to go to what's an unstable team with a a very poor squad for the level that they're at. It's, whoever goes in there at Gillingham, it's a lose-lose situation. And Jay Saunders will be much better off staying put where he is at Maidstone. Yeah, you know, it's easy to say a job for life, but he probably has, hasn't he, really? Unless he, wants to, you know, he probably would look to get a lead job uh, in the future. He's done a fantastic job there. He's used to winning football matches. He knows how that club runs. He's got the respect to the board. And, and they say the fans absolutely adore him for that. So, yeah, I think he, he can stay there. And he's got a challenge there. The manager that could take Maystone back into the league um, would be an unbelievable achievement when you think they were 10 years ago with the problems they had. So, yeah, it's a it's a good uh, job for him. I can't see him taking it. Going back to that go, the Gateshead game and 2 0, I have to say that the, the red card that Gateshead got for their fullback after 13 minutes, the Gateshead manager said it was one of the worst decisions he's seen as a, as a manager. And I'm going to agree with him, but it was a foul in the penalty, yeah, definite penalty, but it was by the byline. Uh, a strange decision, and I couldn't believe they actually had their um, uh, appeal turned down for that one as well. So very, very strange for that. But again, Maystone, you know, thinking all oh, we could have been um, top two to, in the top five if they'd have got through, won that game, but pegged back as well. So maybe they just needed a little bit more character from that. But again, they'll learn from that. It's case of the no mugs in this level as well. No, they're not. And, and Barrow away for Maystone Saturday, and then the Kent Derby with Bromley on Saturday. Um, Tuesday night, sorry. Bromley are at home to Tranmere on Saturday, and I saw that they were advertising some new craft beers are on offer at, uh, at um, the game on Saturday. So that quite tempted me. I'm quite interested in that, but I, I, I'm not going to go there just yet, but maybe in the future now they've got nice beers on offer. Um, Bromley on Saturday, they uh, went down at Halifax. And I joked last week saying Eldover and Bromley should get a big double-decker coach. They should go up together, you know, have a bit of a lift share. And I, I'd imagine right now Dover probably wish they did. Um, if you haven't heard this story, um, Dover's train broke down on the way home. Uh, they were stuck for four hours and didn't move. And uh, for some club officials, it was a 24-hour round trip to Guiseley, where they drew one all. Um, a journalist turned kit man, Richard Harvey, was one of those who endured that, that long trip. Um, and he filled me in on all the details. You had a bit, a bit of an incident, is that fair to say? Very fair to say, mate. Everything, everything was all on track, apart from the punch. But, um, yeah. And then the, um, the train from Leeds, uh, which we were on, uh, just got past Grantham. And... Um, and a halt, and um, apparently uh, the train in front had um, pulled all the lines down above it, as it's uh, an electric uh, train. So um, stuck for uh, just over four hours uh, outside Grantham. <laughs> and uh, you just you just didn't move at all. So you were just you were just basically just sat there. Yeah, just sat there for for four hours. Um, and you can imagine what that was like. Uh, it, it was actually good because uh, a couple of the young uh, Dover lads um, you know, kept their legs, you know, stretched their legs and went for a walk down the train and ended up having some good conversation with the Bromley band and obviously with the Halifax that he got on the train at least. But uh, so that was good, you know, all in it together. Um, but yeah, it was didn't move for probably four hours, ten minutes or so, and then. We had to wait for um, 
a diesel train or a diesel engine to come up front, uh, couple on and pull up uh, past the damage line to Peterborough, and then um, then we're on our way again. So, so what time did, did you eventually get back to Dover? Uh, well, we got back to London at 20 past two. Got back to Dover about 20 to five this morning on the minibus. As I say, cause there's no trains from London to Dover at 20 past two, are there? No, no. What, what, actually, what actually happens is that we'll talk that concern with players going uh, from you know, each and every direction. Um, what happens is Virgin put on a cab for everyone on the train. So regardless of where your final destination was, they provided a cab. So um, that was good. But um, basically the Kent-based Dover squad members um, and the gaffer and the chairman, myself and um, a couple of the players, we actually, we, we travel up to London um, to get the train by the minibus we to sit on and uh, of course we had to do the drop-offs on the way home as well, so a, a very long night. <laughs> do, do you think Dover will be going on the train again? Yeah, always go on the train, um, always travel on the train, no problems at all, but that's that's just one of the things um, you have to put up with. No one could help it. No one thought. It's just one of them unfortunate incidents that happened. Uh, but we were well looked after. Um, the boys were kept abused, bit of arm wrestling, bit of singing. Um, so, so it was all good. I certainly saw a few people on Twitter as well saying that some of the players went through and were chatting to people and, and they've now got a bit of a soft spot for Dover. So in, in that aspect, it might, it might actually be all right in the end, I suppose. Yeah, it is because, you know, it, it gave people a chance to meet a few of the Dover squad, um, see what they're all about. A lot of Leeds fans were interested to, uh, to, to see Dover in the flesh, as it were, and, you know, wish us all the best for the season. So um, it was all good, good humour, everyone dealing with the situation um, as best they could. I suppose it was a decent result to get a point up at guys. They've been in good form, haven't they? Yeah, uh, well, any, any point away from from home, John, in this league is a good point. And, um, you know, games against uh, Geisley, you know, that was the first goal we conceded at Geisley in four, four, four visits. But credit to uh, Paul Cox. You know, he's gone in there, they were struggling. And games against uh, Paul Cox when he was a Farrow were always very tough physical games. And um, that was on, on Saturday. Um, and credit to the lads, because, you know, fell behind, deflected free kick. Um, which really wrong-footed Mitch Walker, so no chance there. But, um, you know, the heads could have gone down there, uh, but they didn't, and battled back, and um, Naughty got a, a, a fantastic finish, beautiful finish. And I suppose being stuck on a train for four hours is probably good for team bonding, because it's still quite a new team, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a massive thing, because, as, as, as you well know, and, uh, that would have filled you in. Um, a lot of it, it's a brand new team uh, this year, basically, apart from three uh, that were here last year. So to do as well as we're doing is a fantastic sort of testament to Chris, Jake, uh, Mark Newsom, and you know, and the coaching staff because it's, uh, it's it's good. You know, there's lots of room for improvement and getting better with each game we play. So just going to stick to it and see how we go. And obviously, Matt just said to me as well about your, your unusual journey from journalist to kit man. It's not a well-trodden path, that, is it? <laughs> no, I've gone from the first box to the back room. So, no, it's, it's good because, um, 
bug knife system since I, I started working over here. And, you know, it's, um, when Robin left, um, they, they asked me if I'd like to do it, and why not? You get to see football from a different point of view. So it's, it's fantastic to be part of the club and um, in, in a different role, and, and I'm loving it. I mean, obviously, you started off covering Dover. But what's made an Aussie like you fall in love so much with the Whites? <laughs> I don't know, really. No, I, I've always, you know, when I, when, I, when I was a journalist and I got, you know, they needed someone to cover Dover, as you well know. Um, you know, I just generally struck up a rapport with Chris and Jake and um, everyone here. And, uh, you know, just, you know, treat, treated as, you know, not just work. You know, it was, it was always a pleasure to come down and watch it. And um, as I say, you get to know people, you build a bond, um, you build a relationship. And, you know, being a journalist, that's what really helps. If you've got a relationship with someone, uh, it, it can do. And that's, and that's what I've, I've, I've now done. I've, you know, my relationship with Chris and, and everyone has, has proved by them giving me this role. Because, it is, you know, it is a trusted role and it's more than, playing out the shirt, um, as, as you can imagine. There's a lot more to it than that. And just finally, dare I ask, where's the next uh, great Dover train journey? <laughs> well, yeah, we got, we got a, as, it truly is a national league and, uh, you know, travel is part of that thing and it's, you know, you, you've got to get used to it. That, that's the thing, it's, it, you know, nothing is left to chance by the chairman, you know, everything's all booked and, we're well, very well catered for. There's been there's times of mid travelling, and you know you've seen other things, and then you see who's this team? You know, like Leeds on, on the weekend. They'll you know they wonder who we are because you know we, we, we travel well, get to our destination, and then we sort of get on a, a nice coach to the ground. You know, so we're generally very well looked after, and it's a credit to the chairman. So you've got another. You, you, you'll be going on the train for the next away long away trip. You, where, where is that one? Oh, no, no, um, it's okay. We might be flying. <laughs> we, 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 fly to the, we fly to the long ones like Gateshead. Um, um, we flew to that one last year, and um, they flew to Torquay as well, so um, that should be all right. I don't think there'll be any um, trains laid in front of that one. Um, interesting character there, there Richard Harvey. Um you know, I've I've been a journalist covering clubs myself. I've never quite considered that I could end up being the kit man, but he seems really well involved with Dover, well respected, and seems to be enjoying himself. Yeah, I think he's a respected journalist. He's a very good cricket coach as well, and I think um, I think he made a good point in moving that. You know, the kit man. You know, everybody probably thinks you wash the kit, you iron the kit, put the kit out, get on with it. But you're sort of that um, uh, link between the players and the managers as well, because you probably find stuff out from. Uh, that Chris Kinnear and Jake LeBell and the management thing don't find out because he could be a bit of a confidence on the players. You know, an affable chap, Richard, uh, a good old Aussie from that point of view. And, it, you know, it's an important role for the club just to boost morale up when things go down. And it, he's really good. He's respected around the club. Everybody enjoys him. He's a, he's, you know, he's, a very, he's a very good journalist. And, you know, he's fallen in love with Dover and he's doing a really good job from that point of view. So, yeah, it's, a, it, it's an important job. To, you know, you know, there's some of these footballers at Dover's level, you know, they, they don't expect to take their own boots or do everything so Richard does a lot of work behind the scenes you know and it's, a, it's not a paid for role I don't think so him so it's a lot of his time of his, uh, his own time but he, he enjoys it so much so good luck to him on that point of view
Well, we've seen certainly, talking about them again, Gillingham, their kit man's had some trouble in the past because they keep turning up with the wrong kit, blue kits at blue places. So it's not always not always that easy. And, and guys, I mean, we said there, you know, tough, t- tough place to go. Um, very organised under Paul Cox now. And so to come back from there with a one-all draw isn't the worst result in the world. But I guess Dover will know that they've got to build on that and actually stand up and be counted and win at home to Solihull on Saturday now. Yeah, I think, guys, because it's such a tight division, I think the average points that normally these sides have had after 12 games in the last five years, I think it is 28, and of course Sutton at top with 22, so you can see how tight it is at the top of the division. So drawing games is not the end of the world at the moment, um, for certain sides, so, because you're still going to be involved in that. But yeah, they've had a decent result um, two weeks, well, two weeks Saturday will be when they beat Chester 4 now, and Solihull, who I think will be one of the sides struggling at the wrong end of the table. It's a good chance for Dover, when they go to Sutton, could be top of the league on Tuesday still, is to get a result from that. It's building your home performances up. A way of being great, of course, four wins, one draw, and one defeat in the six games, but only two wins in their uh, home games thus far. So, yeah, game not conceding goals. Um, it's just, if it's really changing the, in the side on Saturday. But, yeah, before the start of the season, you've got to be looking at Solihull to get three points against them, particularly at home. So, I'm sure Chris Connell will be looking into that as well to keep up the momentum. And, and keep a, a little unbeaten run going. Obviously, that we, we spoke before about their difficulties at home at the start of the season, but their last home game, they won 4-0. So there's, there's plenty to build on from, from that point of view. And, and I think Dover, you know, they'll look at this week and Sutton away is, is a tough game, but Chris Kinnear likes to set up a side well. And, and that game on Tuesday night will be a really good game. And I will be surprised if we're sat here this time next week talking about a Dover defeat. There you go. But well, they won six nil last year against Sutton. You know, they be fair, Sutton they dropped a lot of their side there being FA Cup second round. So, but of course, it's a you know three ex Dover players now play for Sutton: Thomas, Emmanuel, and Lafayette. So there'll be some. Uh, they won't know what the Dover players are because apart from a few of them, they don't know the rest of the team. Yeah, and, and I'll just do a quick whistle stop tour of the Bostic League as as we normally do. Um, good week for Tunbridge Angels: back to back wins for them, Burgess Hill, and at home to Dorking, and they're up to ninth in the table. Um, Folkestone had a brilliant comeback to beat Hendon on Saturday, um, but Margate denied by a late goal as they were held at, uh, at home to Harrow Borough. Um, Angels have got a league game on Saturday as well, away to Kingstonian, and there's some games scheduled for Tuesday night. Um, obviously, FA Cup replay depending, the pick of which is Angels against Margate and Steve McKim against his old club. They, they found, found a little bit of form, so it'll be, it'll be an interesting one if that game goes ahead. So this is the craziness of this league when you think about it. So they've already played each other once, nil-nil, second game of the season and you've already got the 3rd of October and they've already completed the fixtures from it at that point. You know, Tubridge had a good win last night, uh, Tuesday night against uh, Dawkins, so it gets uh, them up and running, of course. So, yeah, um, difficult trip to, to Kingston. You play at Leatherhead now on Saturday because they're a bit up and down, but maybe that break when they went out of the FA Cup, even though it hurt them so much, he's done them a little favour, worked on it on the training ground from that point of view. Well, Margate, um, home bay in the FA Cup, so it's a difficult one. And they're playing again this evening, Wednesday, against Leatherhead. So, uh, game's coming thick and fast now, uh, particularly in the, uh, the Devon Bostic League, because uh, they seem to start playing the midweek games now rather than uh, in, uh, in August and September. Yeah, it's, it's, it's madness, really. I mean, and, I mean, looking in the South Division, I've continued their good form in, in the... In the league at the moment, though, the decent 2-2 draw at South Park on Saturday and then a 3-0 win over Faversham, who aren't in the best of form. Ramsgate, brilliant win for them on Saturday, 3-1 at Thamesmead. Um, Sittingbourne were 5-1 winners over Horsham on Saturday. Um, also on Saturday, Michael Powers' hat-trick gave Cray a 3-1 win over Herne Bay. Um, Phoenix drew 2-2. I was and... about Michael Power. 
Go on. Sorry, threatening there. Michael Power, I must he must I don't know how old he is now, but I've seen him for numerous clubs down the end. He's always a decent striker, Michael Power. He's a hard working striker. He's been newer clubs and you know, I saw a picture of him, he, his beard's a bit grey and his hair's a bit grey, but he's had a decent non league career, Michael Power. Um didn't really probably get to the level he probably I think probably arguably could have deserved to because he was a, a really good centre forward and still banging in the goal. So uh, always look out for players like him. I always liked him as a player. Yeah, and obviously elsewhere, VCD lost at home to Chipset. Ashford got their um, got their second win. They beat Guernsey three 0 but they went down by the same score at Herne Bay on Tuesday night. Um, Thamesmead were three two winners at Phoenix on Tuesday. So loads of games there, and um, most of those teams are in action on Saturday. A standout tie there is Sittingbourne against Hythe. Um, then Tuesday night, again, they've also got the return fixtures from the first week of the season. So Ramsgate, Faversham um, is, is one of the games that stand, stands out as another couple of Kent derbies. And uh, unbelievably, they're playing all these league games. And a week on Saturday, the FA Trophy starts for our Devon Bostick South teams. It, it literally, you, I don't know how these people keep up. I guess you must be hoping that your footballers aren't that bright and might just think, oh, well, it's just a game of football. Because they seem to be here, there and everywhere at the moment in, in terms of what competitions they're playing in. You've got the Kent Senior Cup, the Velocity Trophy, the League, the FA Cup, the FA Trophy. Five competitions that they'll have already played by the 7th of October. It, it is absolutely staggering, isn't it? It'll be amazing to know the people that the, the footballers that I know they, they turn up for the game. They after they know what competition they're playing in anyway. So um, it's, it's the supporters like us, the people who study this information, who look all what competition they're playing in. Now, as you say, they turn up. They've got a game of football. That's all they're interested about. It doesn't matter what competition it is for them. So uh, I think the FA Cup's more there, and they'll know about that one. But maybe some of these other competitions, they just, just won't even know what it is. Think it's a standard league game. Exactly. Um, we mentioned the FA Cup there, and obviously it is the FA Cup this weekend, and any games will take priority over over these league games next week if there are any replays. And it's time to look at the FA Cup now, and, and the tide around from our point of view is is Margate against Herne Bay um, at Hartsdown Park on Saturday. They've already met in the Kent Senior Cup this season, but it was a young Gate side that went and got a one 0 win at Winch's Field. Um, so Herne Bay, they've done well to get this far. And I've spoken to one of Herne Bay's joint managers, Jermaine Darlington, and he's looking forward to a good tie. Uh, we're happy with the draw. Uh, it's not too far uh, for us to travel, which uh, means we can prepare for the game uh, as best we can. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Another round in the FA Cup. Um, hopefully we can progress through that. Yeah, and obviously you played them in the Kent Senior Cup a few weeks ago, but I think we're facing a very different Margate side, won't you? Yeah, yeah, we did, and um, you know, apart from the result, you know, we, we was pretty happy with the boys, you know. So, you know, it was, I think it was a pretty easy game, although they they won. So, you know, it'd be another another test for us because I'm sure they they might have changes, and I'm sure we'll have changes, but it would be another test for us um, to you know up our levels and see if we can compete at that level. Yeah, and I suppose so far it's been a pretty good start to the season for you. I mean, it's, obviously it's your, your and John's first sort of senior job in management, and and so far so good for Hambay. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, we, we we lost the first two games. Um, one of them maybe not deserved, maybe deserved to get a point out of that, and one of them we deserved to lose. But um, for, since then, we've uh, you know won more than we've lost, so we can't be too too disappointed and uh, on top of that you know everything we're trying to work on the boys are bringing it into practice and games and, and we can only be happy about that and obviously you, you were with John at, at Sittingbourne under 21s last year and I guess you sort of jumped at the chance to move into a senior role like this one um, yeah definitely you know um, 
I mean, at the time when we were there, we were sort of thinking about it, but we saw the opportunity came along, and we thought it was the the, the right um, place to go to because they wanted to try a new way of doing things, and, and it fitted into what what we uh, what our philosophy is. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely the right move. It came at the right time, you know, and it's it's looking good so far. Yeah, and obviously you, you've you've got plenty of good young players there, and that's a, that's what clubs at that level need, isn't it? Well, I, I, I'm a firm believer in if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. You know, um, yeah, obviously, you, you know, pe- people will think that you can't do certain things with youngsters, but I think if you've got a good blend um, of uh, different type of players and a good blend of um, of experience, then I don't see why it can't can't work as we're as we're proving at the moment. And just finally, I'm always intrigued by how it works with joint managers. Surely you don't just agree on everything, do you? Um, we 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 do have dis- disagreements, but we're, we we uh, are open to each other's comments, and um, we always, in the end, come to an agreement, which is always, which first and all, and all, always is about what's right for the team to get the result. So you don't end up having to play like rock paper scissors to decide who's going to play anything. Then. <laughs> well, even if we did, I'll, I'll come out on top anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> It should be a, a, a really good game, that one, Matt. I, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think it'll be a really good tie. Yeah, I've got nothing to lose. Margate, probably a lot, a bit more to lose. You'd never expect them to, to get the result against that point of view. But they um, had a good result last night, Hanbay. Organised for score goals in the FA Cup as well. So, yeah, I can't see that. Jermaine Darlington, I remember when he sort of played for Dover many moons ago. So, sort of a flying winger in it, and as a fullback. I didn't, you know, he had a good league career at the end of it. We'd go and play. Uh, for Wimbledon, he might have even played in the Premier League at some stage, but he did for that. You never sort of see him as a manager, but um, working with John Embry, I think they were sitting born last year with the youth team, so got a youth, um, working on the youth point of view. So, yeah, it'll be a tough game for, for Margate. So, I think that one, I'm still 50 50 about how that one goes. I think that whoever scores the first goal in that game could go on and win it. Yeah, Jermaine Dunn's an interesting character, actually. I was looking him up before I chatted to him, and uh... He was the first player to play a competitive game for the old Wimbledon and the AFC Wimbledon. And um, he also, when he played for AFC Wimbledon, though, it was pretty costly because his previous club had been Cardiff, I think, registered with the Welsh FA. They just merrily played him and they got kicked out of two cup competitions and had 18 points deducted. So it wasn't the, uh, <laughs> the best signing that Terry Brown, former market manager, ever made, I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> that was interesting from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to be careful about it. You know, I think Cardiff's just down the, the M4 from that point of view. You have to get international clearance and some of the players, uh, some of the levels you go at probably don't really know that point of view. But yeah, he's a career main Darlington. So uh, I, 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 I'm sure if his home base I could beat Margate on Saturday, you would think it'd be one of the highlights of his career, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. Elsewhere in the Cup, uh, Folkestone have got Aylesbury on Saturday at, at Cheriton Road looking to reach the fourth qualifying round for the first time in 10 years or so our good friend at FA Cup Fact File on Twitter tells us um, Phoenix Sports go to Enfield tricky tie for them Dartford have got a, a nasty little one at Needham Market and I guess after their result at Western Supermare on Saturday they probably won't be looking forward to that one too much No that's the proverbial banana skin I think that one isn't it um, Needham Market they rhyme they're Devon Bostick Premier aren't they I think they are yeah. so um, from that point of view it always t- is a the middle of nowhere as well, so it's a long trek from there. Need a market when you're thinking that looking how Darford did last week, um, they could get a result. I think Darford, if they're professional enough, Darford have got a good record in the FA Cup as well the last few years. I think they always get at least a full qualifying round, if not the first round the last few years. So, um, 
yeah, you know, you're the experience of your old head, so your Brad Brooks, your Harris's, your, your Hayes is there to grind something out against Needham Market. Now, for that one, maybe we can see that one going to a replay. Yeah, and then on Monday we'll find out who Bromley, Dover, Ebbsfleet and Maidstone get as they enter the competition for, for the thing. And then we're literally one step away from the possibility of, you know, a, a big gun, a, a, a football league team. So it's it's exciting time, the FA Cup now, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to go to Margate against Herne Bay on Saturday. Um, I haven't been down to Margate since I stopped covering them, actually, so it'd be good to see some some old faces down there. Um Really looking forward to it. And obviously, I'll catch up with um, the Herm Bay managers as well. So, it'll be nice to have a chat with them. Um, Dover for you Saturday, is it, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Good sorry, Hull. And I'm off to Sutton on Tuesday. So, um, hopefully, uh, we'll be speaking next week. But we've, well, I'll take four points now from those two games for, from a Dover point of view. Just keep up the top of the table again. Because, you say, the FA Cup starts re- rearing its head. And we'll know next week who the sides have got as well. So, um, will we have another Kent Derby on our hands? Yeah, and obviously you say now Dover four points. You, you take don't get carried away if the only draw on Saturday then, because that's what they've done so far this season. So yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. That's definitely true. Yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, should be, yeah, Solihull on paper they should be beating teams like Solihull, but as Chris Kinnear says, it's never an easy game in this league. No, there's not. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Um, a bit different to the to the schedule now because. Uh, I've actually got off my backside and got myself a new job, so uh, I can't just sit around on a Wednesday afternoon editing the podcast. So it will be a sort of it coming out on a Wednesday evening now. More, more that we're doing this. I'm actually sat in the car park at my new office right now, getting some funny looks from people um, recording this week's show. But really good, uh, really good fun again. Really good to to get some more people on board. And um, I put a tweet out yesterday saying I'm, we are really grateful to everyone who's given their time up for what is essentially a, a new venture. You know, you could quite easily just say no, we don't want to talk to you. So um, we do really appreciate everyone who's, who's spoken to us, like Jack and Jermaine um, today. Uh, very, re- really good people to to give up their time. Um, don't forget, of course, you can find us on uh, the podcast app if you've got one, iTunes or TuneIn. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast or on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter if you really want to at John Phipps eighty one. Matt is at underscore Matthew Gerard. Um, and you can get in touch with us by email, johnphipps81 at outlook.com. Um, it's been a fantastic week for Kent football. Um, this sort of thing, this sort of week is exactly why I wanted to do a podcast like this. There's, you know, there's so much going on. There's so much interest. Um, it's It's been amazing. And I hope next week is, is as lively, but maybe not quite as mental. I don't really want any more six fives, Matt. I don't know about you. No, it would be nice if we could get... The, well, we're going to lose one Kent side in the FA Cup, aren't we? But if we could, if the Phoenix, Folkestone, Margate or Home Bay, we'll definitely get through. Or Duff will get through. So we've got the FA Cup fourth qualifying round. We've got plenty of Kent sides in it. And I certainly want to see two Kent teams come out together in the fourth, in the fourth qualifying round. Anyway, that's it from us for this week. So thanks ever so much for joining us. And we shall speak to you all again next week.